0: A lot
1: Talk Radio Live from Washington DC It's Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio Now here's your host Dr Michael Anthony Ingram Ingram. Welcome to the program. My very, very special guest tonight is Susan Abbott. Welcome, Susan.
0: Well, thank you, Michael. I'm very, very excited to be here.
1: Well, thank you. I am so glad you're that. with me tonight. I'm really, really glad. Let's begin this journey, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. To you, what is Poetry.
0: Oh my gosh! Poetry is so many things. Um, that's a big question. but um, I think poetry is a place to uh, explore truth and um, to potentiate language, to give it, give it more power than, say, the pedestrian way of of, of telling a story it's It's a more um Engaged way for me it, You know, it gives me opportunity To rhyme It gives me opportunity to um, Use a meter And almost song If you will So it's uh, it, it's potentiated language Is what it is to me
1: That is such a Beautiful statement Potentiated language You stated it is exploring truth Tell me a little bit more about exploring truth Well, I think
0: um, it, gives you an, it gives me an opportunity to go deeper in, into something. Um, like, well, you know, when I read some of the poems, um, I've been living in the Joshua Tree in the Mojave Desert for a number of years, and recently this summer uh, moved back to the coast in Long Beach. And, you know, um, being in the desert has its own uh, ethic, if you will. It has its own aesthetic. It has its own... Um, just own life and it's different. And I, you know, and so sitting down, think about that and bring some of the things about what that experience is—the truth of it for me. Part um, mm-hmm. which gives, gives me the opportunity
1: to do that. Now, why did you choose? You are the Villanelle queen. Why did you choose uh, Villanelles to uh, as a form to use? <laughs> I'm really fascinated I by think, that.
0: Well, I think. <laughs> the Villanelle Queen is pretty pre- premature, but I have been, uh, uh, well, because I've only been doing this since March, and it was kind of a, uh, you know, a challenge. Um, the uh, National Poetry Month's Poem a Day Challenge was coming up, and a couple of literary venues asked for villanelles, and I said, what the heck is a villanelle anyway? I mean, I'd heard yeah. the term, um, and, you know, what what did it mean in terms of its structure, and uh, so I looked it up, and I said, oh, let me try this, and I read, you know, some of the classic ones, like Elizabeth Bishop's one, um, what is it, The Art of or losing, I think is what it's called. And then of course Dylan Thomas's one, Do not go Yes into that good night. So Do I read those night. and got a feel for the um the form and the pattern. And then I thought it was to me, it became almost a game, a cross between like Sudoku and a crossword puzzle. Because <laughs> you had <laughs> I know. You had to um you know, you had a form to fit and uh, ways you could get certain words in. And, and it was just, to me, it was fun. Now, I told a friend I was doing this, and she said <laughs> Villanelles, when they had to write them in school, gave her a migraine. So I just like, okay, what's wrong with me? <laughs> but um, it, was, it was a way for me to play, even with serious subjects, like some of my poems about grief and loss and, um Death And so, but it was a way to do it, um, and the repetition, I found, helped anchor, and I have a thought process that's all over the place, and I was kind of grateful to have a form that gave okay. me, um, you know, that gave me structure. That way, all right, so I could be, you know, specific and get certain lines down, and if I could get a good couplet with something to stick in the middle that could rhyme, I was doing good. And I was I was doing pretty good there getting couplets for, you know, for the opening and clo- uh, uh, the first and third lines that repeat. So <laughs> I just I just took off and uh, made myself do it during the month of April, and when April was over, I kept doing it, though not every day. But, but, uh, and so it's just, um, yeah. And so what I found was, I have these, you know, these um, poems, uh, these thoughts that go all over the place, so the Villanelle form gave me a structure, and then after, you know, 90 days, I've got 90 poems that are all over oh, the wow. place, <laughs> Wow! <laughs> you know. So, wow. Well, um, I speak by so what I, I think, Charlie, a book. you'll be in
1: the queen. Yes. Yeah. It be so, a book, a book uh, of Villanelles?
0: Uh, yeah, mostly, I'm going to come out with a short trap book, um, probably the first of the year. And it's called The Everyday Holy of We. And it's, I'm also a, an artist, a painter and uh, illustrator. And so it's a combination of my art with poems. And uh, and I'm excited about that because, uh, so it's got like, it's instead of, you know, uh, Neruda had what, um, 20 love poems and a, and a sonnet. And I'm gonna have 20 um, villanelles and a sonnet. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: So. Well, yeah. your artwork that I've seen is
0: beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank You're extremely you. talented. Thank extremely you. I talented. wish that we could put some of it up to show in the yeah. airwaves. Um, yes.
1: But i please, please share a poem. Please share a poem. Please share a poem.
0: I'm going to share um, a desert poem, and it's called uh, Pilgrim's Villanelle. Who comes to the desert, walks on their knees, with heart dismantled and frayed, ...is fully stunned by the Joshua trees... ...a place to forget and listen to bees... ...remember how fervently you prayed... ...who comes to the desert, walks on their knees... ...fellow travelers, makers of all artistries... ...worshippers, wanderers, strayed... ...all fully stunned by the Joshua trees... ...to behold what the Milky Way sees... ...night sights, the city lights downplayed... ...who comes to the desert, walks on their knees... Free your demons, the desert decrees. Free your mind, if your cards are well played. Marvel at the astonishing Joshua trees. The landscape of many personalities will strip your every charade. Who comes to the desert, walks on their knees, to be redeemed by the Joshua trees.
1: Mm. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. What are some of the predominant themes of your work? Well, um, a lot about women,
0: um, real women in my life, mythical women, um, iconic women. Um, the, the new book is going to be having a lot of that. Uh, I have a one piece that's, a, um, uh, about, um, Miriam, who's, um, uh, Miriam's daughter. And so, uh, Themes from, say, biblical women, um, mythological women, uh, think people like beings like that. Plus, people like my mother and my aunts and my sisters. <laughs> um, also, uh, nature is a big theme. Um, grief and loss is a big theme. Um, being in the desert and some things are just funny. Like I have a little piece about my grandfather, who played the saxophone. I have a, you know, some funny. I, I also realized that I write a lot of um, occasional things like, um, you know, we had a, a, a boat of an Alleluia Cruise come through the town I lived in, Juneau, Alaska at the time, and I wrote a ballad to that. And, uh, you, you know, so I, I wrote a ballad to um, a coworker who um, <laughs> it, it, when I worked in Alaska, and his, his it was like sort of come listen to my story about a man named Dave about the wolves he'd kill and the caribou he'd save, you know, and it was kind of sing-songy like uh, come listen to my story about a man named Jim, about a man you named know, Jim. Uh,
1: right, right, exactly.
0: So I would I'd do things like that occasionally that are fun, you know, um, and yeah, so. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'll take on news topics, and I'll take on, you know, social justice things. I'll take on the weather if that's what's happening, you know.
1: All right, so, all right. Now, how does a poem begin for you, with an idea, mm-hmm. a form, or an image? Well, all of the
0: above. <laughs> um, all right. I gotta say I gotta say that because um being an artist and a, and a poet, um, you know, something strikes me uh you know, um you see some roadkill and that you know, that that's an image, but I saw it today and I wanna go home and maybe write about it. Or the way the trees are blowing today. Or um the cactuses are in bloom or something you saw out the window uh, or you didn't see out the window and wished you did. Uh, And one of the poems um, I'd like to read, I did an art project uh, several years back. There was a tarot uh, card project with a group of women artists in Joshua Tree, and I, I got the card called Temperance, and I went through quite a process to decide what to make of that card. Uh-huh. And um, the traditional figure is it, it's sort of a a wan white androgynous robe, you know, kind of asexual robed being with wings. And I wanted something different. And but the the characteristics was a figure holds water, holds fire; they're pouring back and forth into each other. And um, so I I did that. And while I was deciding on how it was going to be. That weekend, the Pulse fire happened, where so many um, gay people were were killed, or the Pulse massacre. I'm sorry, the Pulse massacre happened in Florida. And um, and what I came upon was, I said, well, however this goes, this this figure has the wings have to be rainbow wings, and so I settled on that. And so and then. I said, what is this figure saying to me? And it took me five years. I wrote a poem about that figure, Temperance, just this summer. So, you know, I felt like, well, that one took a long time. <laughs> and yeah. that was they, the painting. And the painting was talking to me, and and then I was focusing on it a, a lot more uh, during our lockdown. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you know, it it came out, and I knew I wanted to do this book, and I knew I wanted to have that image in it, and I knew I wanted to have a poem about her. So um, so I did, but it took five well, years, you, and it was like,
1: <laughs> well, can you share it now? Can you share it with us? Sure,
0: sure, sure. I'd love that. Um. It's called Temperance. And the figure, so the figure I wound up doing, yes, she has, she's pouring fire and water and are balancing in a cup. She's got one foot in the water, but she is a black woman figure um, in a white dress with, you know, full hips and breasts and not just this kind of streamlined androgynous figure. And yes. the white gown or the white dress and the, um, the rainbow angel wings. So if you can all picture that. Um, that was my temperance, and this is the poem. Temperance. The pregnant air between water and fire gives rise to a cleansing steam, balances the world of death and desire. The temperate one sees the picture entire, one foot on land and one in the stream, breathes pregnant air between water and fire. Her generous dignity All come to aspire. Her voice of a common dream. Balances the world of death and desire. So when tempers flare and escalate higher. And just about burst at the scene. Breathe pregnant air between water and fire. Her rainbow wings, her flowing attire. She shines as a dark light beam. Balances the world of death and desire. Let her measure the pulse. Never deny her. May all the addictions come clean. The pregnant air between water and fire extinguishes the world of death and desire. Thank you.
1: That was very powerful. Very powerful. What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power?
0: Mm. (laughs) I love that question. We had a book um, in the house. I grew up in it and it was it was like, you know, one of those children's um children's um verse books that had an array of things like it had some Rudyard Kipling things and had some Lewis Carroll things and uh Mother Goose of course and some grim tales and and um I remember there was a a group called the Goops that we learned about. <laughs> the Goops were teaching us manners. That, you know, it was just the these were poems like from the 1890s to the 1930s that some British guy wrote. And the, and the Goops were these you know kids that had bad manners. And it was to teach you you don't eat eat your uh, knife. You know you don't use your to eat your peas and things like that. So <laughs> I just remember those being very funny and fun and, uh, you know, uh, and so it's like, it was a playful thing to me. And, um, and I think that's what got me. I also grew up in the Boston area in new England. So we had a fair smattering of Longfellow and, you know, this is the forest primeval and Emily Dickinson and, uh, Emerson Thoreau, those guys. So I think, um, those were some of the earlier influences that uh,
1: I recall for poetry, anyway. All right, very nice, very nice. Does writing, based on what you've written and will write, does writing energize or exhaust you?
0: Mostly, it energizes me. Um, Tell me more. It exhilarates Tell me. me. More. Well. Just that um, I feel when I do something and it comes off well, it makes me happy,
1: <laughs> and um,
0: most of the time I do, you know. So I'm I'm pleased about. I mean, it's work. It's not, I'm not saying it isn't work, but at the same time, the the end result has most of the time been worth it, and I come up with something that that makes that pleases me. And so, what can we say? Self stimulation here. <laughs>
1: Alright, alright Please share another poem Share another poem I want to spend time with your poetry
0: Okay um, This is another one in the in the female lineage um, uh, this, It's called She the undoer of knots And I'll just say a little preface about it uh, I don't know if you remember when the Pope came a couple of years ago and he's from Latin America and mm-hmm. Mary, the undoer of knots is a big figure in Latin America. Mary, um, the, the blessed Virgin Mary is, a, is also the undoer of knots. And I was quite taken by this figure. There was a group of nuns that had done uh, a little shrine along his route for him to stop at, which he did. And, uh, you know, so this was a new figure to me and I was very taken by her. So, she was very goddessy. Um, so this is called She the Undoer of Knots. And this is some of her iconography. On lunar crescent, she rides through the sky, untangling tangles and knots in the way, resolved through her hands, go free and fly. Earthly energies, when you're hung out to dry, all pleasure in life held at bay. On lunar crescent, she rides through the sky. Why complicate things that do not apply? Bring those woes unto me, I say. Resolve through my hands. Go free and fly. My fingers are nimble. Let me give this a try. Loosen the threads that knot up your day. On lunar crescent, I ride through the sky. Each cell is star stuff. My light burns high. My love, a resplendent display. Resolve through my hands. Go free and fly. To undo your knots and let your eyes cry. I witness your difficulties and I pray. On a lunar crescent I ride through the sky. Peace comes through my hands. Now fly.
1: Hmm. Wow. There's a lot of emotion in your writing, Susan. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of emotion. <laughs> Do you think that someone can be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? Hmm.
0: I think it would be hard to be <laughs> be a poet if you didn't have strong emotions. I mean, I think strong emotions are what lead you to to put it on paper, you know, to put it to words, to try and grapple with the language. Um, if you didn't feel that strongly about it, um, you know, you wouldn't do it. So, I guess I would say no. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: Well, let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. Okay. <laughs>
0: A funny one. It's called Madame
1: Calmont.
0: <clears throat> Madame Calmont, I don't fuss about sags and bags on the eyes. I have only one wrinkle, and I'm sitting on it. The secret of beauty is funny, and wise I know. I have a hard time not laughing at my own. I start over. I'm <laughs> Now you know what's coming. That line <laughs> It's okay, we're supposed to have fun, right? <clears throat> Madame on. I don't fuss about sags and bags on the eyes. I have only one wrinkle, and I'm sitting on it. The secret of beauty is funny and wise. I love to drink wine, eat my cakes and my pies, love my whole life and from where I sit. I don't fuss about sags and bags on the eyes. Neither do I fuss about arms and thighs, old legs of iron now rusty and buckled a bit. The secret of beauty is funny and wise. Take pleasure in life whenever it does arise. Love a good long pull on my cigarette. I don't fuss about sags and bags on the eyes. I took up fencing in my 80s. Learned something new for the fun of it. The secret of beauty is funny and wise. At 122, I know how time flies. I have only one wrinkle and I'm sitting on it. I don't fuss about sags and bags on the eyes. The secret of beauty is funny and wise. Thank you. <laughs> now that, it took me several times to read that before I didn't crack myself up. So I, I totally, you know, you, I, I appreciate your response. <laughs> but Madame Palma is, is a role model, I
1: think. <clears throat> so these are Now, the kind Madame Palma. Was yes. she French? Yes. That's why we call her. I Madonna. remember her. Well, I don't remember her personally, but I know her story. She was yeah. 122 years old. Yes. Yep.
0: She lived to be 122. <laughs> to, or, yes. and she, I think she died at
1: 123.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yes. and, these were just some, and now this is a poem that came from just snippets of, of an interview with her. Um, you know, that, that most of this stuff is what she said, like, I have only one wrinkle, and I'm sitting on it. When I heard that <laughs> line, I just said, "I have to. I just have to." And, and that it, and that it, you know. So I played with my, my rhyming and uh, her, her wor- some of her words, and here we have a little villain now from Adam Comal.
1: Oh wow! <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> you know, some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Once it's out there, there's not much you can do to correct or improve it, while others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on it?
0: Well, my take is that can go both ways, you know. Um, Okay. Sometimes things, I mean, sometimes things come out pretty close, you know. Like, Madame Calmont came out pretty close uh, um, as is, you know, as I read it. I think i I Changed maybe two words, and I've had several people. You know, we, we at this is part of the manuscript. Read the manuscript, and you know, tweaks some spelling and things like that. But you know, for the most part, uh, that came out whole and good. And other things, um, you know, I really
1: like. Oh, what's
0: this word? I know there's a really good word for this, and it ends in ide and. <laughs> and, it, and it'll come out, you know, three weeks later, and I'm like, that's it, you know. So it's it, that's why I say it can go both ways when, you know. All right, all right. To, uh, editing,
1: um, yeah. Okay. You know, all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them mm-hmm. great in your eyes?
0: Well, some of mine, <clears throat> forgot to mention when you said childhood influences the Bible Um, and uh, particularly uh, I want to say the Psalms, the Song of Songs um, Mm -hmm. things like that so whoever wrote those has my deep respect and admiration Um, and uh, who else you know I grew up in an era when um, people like Ginsberg and, uh, oh, what's his name, um, Gary Snyder. Uh, when I first went to college, those were the poets that were being read. In, and in New England, of course, Anne Sexton was there, and I admired her work, and, you know, uh, um, who else? More recently, I want to say more recently, but it's been a 40-year journey, was the poet mm-hmm. Muriel Rukeyser. Um Yes who just embodies so much to me of um, being, um, you know, being queer and being uh, political and being social justice and being funny sometimes and being serious and being challenging. I mean, she has some lines in there that have set me on almost, you know, a koan for for my – since I heard of her, you know, and I was – so uh and and other things i like I also came of age in uh in the San Francisco bay area uh my partner and i lived you know moved there in seventy six and it was a big flourishing of um lesbian culture uh the poet judy Gron um is is a big influence of mine and uh pat Parker Arthur Lord people like that, Um, got to study in the heyday of San Francisco State in the Women's Studies Program, and Gloria Anzaldua was there. Sheree Moraga was a classmate of mine. Um, You know, so that was kind of some of the mix I came of age in and influenced me.
1: All right, very nice, very nice. You've named a number of, of incredible women poets. I mean, Wow. Wow. You know, when you think about a poem, okay, we're gonna we're gonna um we're gonna make a cake, all right? Okay. Make no mistake,
0: we're gonna bake. <laughs> we're gonna
1: bake. Uh if we look at a poem as if it's a cake, what are some of the prevalent ingredients that go into making this cake? Oh
0: well, you know a cake's gotta be sweet.
1: Yes, it
0: does. <laughs> so <laughs> So however you want to take it, maple syrup. Um uh, let's see what we go into it. Um sincerity. Mm, one sincerity. Um, All right. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Oh. Sincerity. Um some good bones, some, I want to say bones and cake. I mean, uh, you know, some good flour, something that's going to make it, give it substance. So, what is your substance? Um, is, is it a worthwhile thing? Like Madame Pelmont. That was funny. But, You know, her own meditations on life And to say I have only one wrinkle and I'm sitting on it It's like, well, you could (laughs) You know, you could really just Kind of say So uh, a piece of that to me would be humor Um, Okay Not always, but something Particularly for a serious subject If there's something that can lighten it up Um, Mm -hmm. Because I I, I find sometimes I go to poetry things and I'm like (sighs) It's just burdensome, you know. I mean, heartfelt, but it's like I'm falling asleep. I'm losing my interest. Um, you know, so what are you doing to keep me interested? Writer, poet, yeah. Um, engaged. Yeah, exactly. And 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 you know sometimes the style of reading is, you know, the, they're looking down their nose the whole time, and it, it, there's no eye contact with the audience. There's no all that kind of thing. Um, so what else in a poem, the cake, the poem cake? That's a good question. I'd like to think more about that. But I would say sincerity um, and some passion, some passion about what, passion. what it is you're doing. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm You stop and him.
0: notice some things that other people might not notice.
1: I and that agree. You that. Can, I'm also going to throw in the title. The title.
0: Oh, title is quintessentially important.
1: to me. Tell me about the title. Oh. That leads into my question: <laughs> What role should the title play in a poem?
0: <laughs> it can make or break a poem.
1: I think. Mm. Um,
0: I feel that tell same me. way about my art. Um, okay. I, I I spend a lot of, not a lot of time, but in the process. Of making something um, A good title better come to me Or it's not getting published yet (laughs) Um, Wow So uh, Because I think a good title um, Adds to it You know A good title is almost Is a line in the poem Um, So it's not I mean with these villanelles I was cranking them out And I just said I was not imaginative particularly with the titles, I, I will admit. <laughs> so I would say, oh, this is the Temperance Villanelle. This is Madame Calmont's Villanelle. This is, uh, you know, and I just, this is the Clones Villanelle. And this is the Map Villanelle. And the, and I just dropped the word Villanelle. And I said, this is the window. This is <clears> inquiry, you know. And so, um, yeah, I just think that the poem can, I mean, the title, Makes or breaks it, and adds right. if you've got a good title, it adds a lot. I don't like, I don't like seeing paintings called Untitled Number One, Untitled Number Four. You know, mm-hmm. be with it, and tell me a little, give me a little more information. You
1: know, well, yes, that's how I feel. Yes.
0: that's my take. Yeah. Please.
1: Please share another
0: poem. Um, let's see. Now well, this is okay. This, so talk about titles and lack of imagination. This was I called it yes villanelle, but I've got it just down to yes,
1: <clears throat> yes. And okay.
0: all those days, your eyes said yes, sure, of hand and heart and mind. Never did I question, never did I guess. We took to the road, headed northwest, not knowing what we might find. And all those days, your eyes said yes. And all those nice nights held close to your breast with limbs and dreams entwined, never did I question, never did I guess. Assuredly, when it came time to undress, the world and its planets fully aligned. And all those days, your eyes said yes. So many times when life was a mess and the joy of our home undermined, never did I question, never did I guess. The road we took. It was traveled less, for we were two of a different kind. For all those days, your eyes said yes. Never did I question. Never did I guess. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank you. Your work is exquisite, Susan.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate that.
1: I really, really mean that. You know, they say that to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? What emerges from you?
0: Um, humor, humor comes naturally. Um, also, I think I have um, dealing with grief and loss uh, has been an ongoing thing, and more recently, in the last you know four or five years, especially. Uh, my partner of 44 years got sick and passed away three years ago, and the last two years, you know, of her life was a lot in caregiving. And I have been yes. um, a hospice chaplain uh, a decade before that. So um, I think my own dealings with illness—I'm a cancer survivor and um, doing good. But you know, when you have the C word tossed your way, uh, it kind of makes yes. you look at your mortality a lot differently yes. than when it's not tossed your way so um, and dealing I also deal with a chronic illness of Crohn's disease and so uh, you know that that little that little big death guy is on my shoulder all the time and very aware of it so it it comes into my work
1: Mm. who are you as a result of your work do you live your life as if it's a poem that's my question do you live your life as if it's a poem?
0: Well, I think the poem in terms of uh, a poem like "Chop Wood Carry Water, you know, a very practical uh, um, practical, and dreamy. I don't know. It's like a mix of these things. I feel like, um, you know, as a Whitman said, do I contradict myself? Well, then I contradict myself, um, Mm-hmm. and so i have all of that all of that i think of uh the poet and the pedestrian uh are not separate
1: hmm. you know all poets have several words that come up over and over and over again in their work words that they just can't help but use what are three of your mm-hmm. absolute favorite words to use in your work
0: Absolutely, you know. I was noticing. Well, putting a manuscript together, you begin to notice these kinds of things. <laughs> um, and so, um, I have a lot of um, I have a lot of wings and flying in my in my poems. Uh, so, air element, sky element is there uh, quite a bit. Um, and let's see what else things about um uh, things about um consciousness awareness will come into it, and that I think that comes a lot from my um, Buddhist background and um and a lot about um things about i want to say religious spirituality uh imagery comes in um, in particularly in terms of strong female figures um so but a particular word, that's, I don't know. That's don't another know. story, I think. Yeah, <laughs> okay. no. I, I want to say fly, flying and flight comes in a lot. That's that's probably okay. the only thing that I'm thinking of right now that I, when you, you know, All asked right. off
1: the cuff about that. Right. <laughs> traveling. You know, so the road. Traveling, okay. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, the mm-hmm. open road. You know, yeah. so. Much has happened or is happening in this world that we live in, the mm-hmm. good, bad, and indifferent of it. What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern day society?
0: Wow. Um, well, we see more and more poets. Uh, you know, I'm thinking particularly of Joy Harjo right now. Um, she, we're having a, a big read event in in uh, up in the Morongo Basin in the desert, and uh, Joy is we're reading her book or her her book um, American Sunrise, and I think of how she's you know been an advocate for uh, indigenous people for Native Americans, and um, that's an important role, and to see her in the role of. of uh, Poet Laureate of the country is like, you know, it's like saying, it's like seeing um, Deb Holland as Secretary of Interior, you know, and so it's, uh, I think for the poets that are moving and shaking in those directions and going in sort of the depth of their personal Life. I mean, Joy Harjo plays saxophone. Isn't you know that's so cool. Um, Does she? But she. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. That. yeah. 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 She, she plays jazz. She's a jazz musician and has a band. Oh, wow. So. Um, so you know she she puts her music out and uh, and she's going around you know talking about um, murdered and missing indigenous women and and the uh, reparations and what happened at the. Uh, um, the um, residential schools and all that you know so it's like it's like she's coming into this moment that I think that at least in Canada and the U.S. that we're having to reckon with um, and using using the platform as poet laureate to do something with that and we're seeing more of that like somebody like Amanda Gorman um, you know can powerfully uh, persuade and um, be a flashpoint of change and what we can um, arise to and better ourselves. So, and and inspire. I feel inspired by some of the poets that I'm seeing these days. And and I want to continue, you know, more more than say I'm inspired by, I don't know, the bankers.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: I'm not trucking Mm -hmm. with a lot of bankers, so I wouldn't (laughs) tell you, but in terms of inspiration, that's my... Uh, You know, I I look to poets for that,
1: and that's a huge role. And that's an important role. Yes, you inspire me. You've got, I've got a smile on my face just talking to you, and I want you to share another poem.
0: Let's
1: see.
0: Um, I'm gonna. This one is about my mom, and it's just called. It's a (laughs) escape villanelle, but no, just escape. She packed up her babies and she ran, determined to never look back. Took a train far away from that man. The marriage wasn't according to plan. He wasn't so great in the sack. She packed up her babies and ran. Mean and abusive, he got out of hand. The broads and the booze behind her back. Took a train far away from that man. Under the gun, you do what you can. Shift gears to divorce on fast track. She packed up her babies and ran. Left all the knitting, didn't wash that pan, didn't worry about what she may lack, t- took a train far away from that man. To hell with the homestead free land, that dream of Alaska's out back. She packed up her babies and ran, took us away from that man. Thank you. That was,
1: that's a powerful poem in itself.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's. That's one of my piece of my mom's story, piece of our yes. story. Yes. yes. Um, what makes a poem then,
1: good? I'm sorry, I interrupted. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, no. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Um, I, was I got a question. Next poem lined up.
1: <laughs> okay. So. Okay. So what, what makes, makes a poem good? I know it's a very subjective uh, question, but when you think about it, what makes a poem good? Um. You know, I have have
0: one of my mentors um, would always say about a work of art and and a a poem or whatever, she she would say her criteria, and I'm tending to agree with it, was did it get you wet? Did it make you cry? Did it make you juicy? What was the juice in it? And and if if it's doing any of that to you physiologically, it's good. So um, I'm I'm looking for that kind of response in, in something. Not that other stuff... That doesn't do that isn't good, but you know, in terms of, does it get my juices going? Um, and that's you know, that's the fluid in me saying, what's the fluid in this work, and and does it does it move me that way?
1: Now, do you prefer one over the other, poetry or the or the art? Which do you have a preference, or is it like you like both the same?
0: <clears throat> I I do love both. Um, I'm wishing I was more of a poet, really. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been um, spending more time with that this year. Uh, I went after my partner passed away. I went on a year long uh, trip, and um, it was a wonderful experience. I went to all these places that we had wanted to go together, and she couldn't go and reconnected with family I hadn't met and. Places that were, you know, kind of places of pilgrimage to me, uh, to us. And so, you um, know, why am I telling you this? Because, because um, you know, the the, poem, the poems that I wanted to write about that. And um, I wrote something, you know, I did write something, but I wasn't happy with it. I'm not, I can't say I wasn't happy with it. I am not can not say i was not happy with it i was not done. I didn't feel done. And uh, I'm still not done. And I've written in this new book, there's several pieces um, that are about our life. And um, in fact, you know, I never did write her an obituary. And I feel like uh, the pieces that are about our relationship in this
1: are a way to
0: um, honor her and that relationship. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like I, I wish I was. A better writer, a more frequent writer. Uh, it just it takes a different kind of time. I feel like, like I can sit down before a blank piece of paper with my paints and my colors and um, let what come comes. I might have some preconceived ideas about what I want, but um, I let it talk to me. And I and I don't feel quite that free with the writing yet. So okay, um, I'm getting there.
1: <laughs> but I love All them right. both, and
0: I. Yeah.
1: Well, Go do ahead. you think you do you think you were meant to be a poet? Um. Yes. Don't tell me more. I do. <laughs> well,
0: I, I think there are certain things that you're born with, and um, a proclivity for language and the playfulness that it can come about through poetry, through the song of it, the rhythm of it. Um, I love that. And, um, so it's kind of like, Oh, I can put this together and make a, you know, make a, make a, a fun thing out of it. And, uh, and like I said, even with some serious subjects, um, there's a mm-hmm. way to, to do that. And I just like that kind of, I want to say, game with it. Um, and I, and I think that's why I've been Drawn more often than not to um, The structures uh, To sonnets, to something like Oh, when you talk about childhood Influences, you got to say The Night Before Christmas um, yeah. You know, one of my
1: <laughs>
0: That's one of my Favorite uh, You know um, um, Patterns to to Harp at um, You know, I did a, a long piece A Nasty Woman poem that uh, it was twas the night before impeachment, and all through the land, the nasty women were dreaming. Our time was at hand, you know. And so, like that, um, I did another one that about uh, we had a Olivia cruise coming into Juneau, and it was those twas the night before Olivia, and all through the town, you know, the dice were excited about to get down.
1: You know, <laughs> so that
0: kind of. Uh, uh, thing comes into it for me and uh, and, uh, and I'll get on a roll and it's like kind of how I did with Villanelles. once I got on a roll it was like, that's, that's not all she wrote
1: <laughs> Well, tell me about the title of your upcoming chapbook, The Everyday Holy of We Tell me about that title
0: Let's see, well, it's in a poem It's mm-hmm. in one of the poems which I will read to you. Um, I love that. But I think I think um, the everyday holy of we. Uh, this this book started out with another title, and it was the abiding spark. Now the abiding spark uh, was in another poem, and it was kind of like mm, the abiding spark, like the thread, the fire from creation that we carry down to now. You know, um, and so. Uh, it made me aware of sort of this everyday that holiness is something a daily thing. It's it's a sort of sacred outlook on life, um, and uh, and so I'm going to read you this poem that every day holy of we. I carried your ashes, traveled far and wide to places we both wanted to see. It meant everything to have you with me by my side, to feel you with me along for the ride, to go full circle and come around free. I carried your ashes, traveled far and wide. Often we laughed, often we cried. You went on ahead without me. It meant everything with you by my side. When comes the memory of the morning you died, the sum of your suffering went peacefully. I carried your ashes, traveled far and wide. The bath and anointing you so dignified, festive in flowers, closed in the galaxy. Life was everything with you by my side. You blessed the world, how love clarified, the everyday holy of we. I carried your ashes, traveled far and wide. It meant everything with you by my side. Mm. Does that tell you something about what the everyday holy of we
1: is? Yes, yes it does you get a yes, it does. picture of yes i, got um, it. I honoring
0: got it. honoring a relationship and mm-hmm. honoring the i want to say the mundane of holy um it's mm-hmm. not something to be set aside and, and you know and i say that the idea of the holy is uh that it's what also whole w h o l e our our wholeness yes. um mm-hmm. so that's a piece of it yeah. And I just wanna just
1: give that a place of reverence
0: in in it's my canon, shall we say. <laughs>
1: what what have you learned about yourself being a poet?
0: Mm.
1: <clears throat> Let's see. what surprised you what? What has surprised you? Mm-hmm. What? you the surprised most me? about being a poet? Either one of those will work.
0: I think something that surprises me is how much we um, are able to touch other people through poetry.
1: Mm. Um, okay.
0: And, and um, in some ways that I wouldn't have to be able to in an ordinary conversation. Um, it's, it, in a way, it's like teaching. You don't know sometimes um, how it how it fans out and influences people or touches people and maybe makes them think more deeply about something similar in their lives or something different in their lives. Um, So the reach of it um, surprises me, you know, when somebody comes up and says, oh, you know, I did this because of that. And it's like, really? (laughs) Um, So... uh, that surprises me, also, I surprise myself some like this whole villanelle thing is a surprise uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: i I never would have thought i'd be doing these. and some of me some there 's a part of me that s- says these are silly, and there's another part of me that says, "Oh wow, you know you you've touched something in yourself here that you want to share with people so um, you just hope that it um, that the sharing opens up something for other people as
1: well. Wow. Nicely stated. You know, writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons, and you may have already answered this, but I'll go over it one more time.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. Why do you write,
0: Right. I think... um, staying silent is not an option. And I must say, I'm very good at silence. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Um, and, uh, I mean, I say that in terms of uh, um, uh, time spent meditating, uh, you know, in retreat. One of the one of the poems of this series is called Hermitage. And when Stevie uh, and I moved to the desert, we lived 15 miles out of town pretty remotely. And, um, you know, so we had this, this hermitage kind of experience uh, for a couple of years. And even, you know, it being <laughs> being in uh, lockdown, it's like, well, that's kind of a hermitage experience. And, and I was living, and, you know, I'm living alone. And um, so it's, it's uh, the silence is I can do that. But there is this thing where I need to express and I want to share it. And, um, I think I'm a, you know, there's a lot of me that's a natural teacher. And so, uh, this is a, a way to do that, you know, so, um, just share life and not be silent about it. And there's, there's a lot of crap going on in the world, as you know, that, yes. um, you know, a, a lot of, sometimes I take up topical things in my art and in my poems So. um, What's going on in the world the missing the murdered and missing indigenous women that's a piece of you know one of my one of my poems in this series and so uh when the verdicts came down this summer uh you know um blank on the name, but I did write a piece about that too uh you know mm-hmm. so all these things that come up um, uh, you know the nasty woman I wrote a long, nasty woman poem uh when trump was elected in an office, and, you know, that was a good rant. So sometimes I just, you know, you need to get it out.
1: Um, Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah.
1: Well, we have time for one more of your pieces. As we close out our journey together, please share one more before we go. One more for the road.
0: Well, Michael, I'd
1: really appreciate
0: having this time with you, and uh, thank you for your wonderful conversation as well. This one is called Inquiry Down to the bare bones, that spectre of you, trying on death till it fit like a glove, asking, Where should I be? What should I do? I sit at the table, sip the morning's brew, no escape from the, <clears throat> excuse me, no escape from that sword looming above, down to bare bones, that spectre of you. Your appetite gone, gait shuffling your shoe. Flowers fade in your hair, plucked from the grove, asking, where should I be? What should I do? Nerves all unraveling, gone is their glue, the brain-eating crow. Your heart is a dove, down to bare bones, that specter of you. Sleep, the only comfort and dreams that ensue, as death our lives makes ready to move. Asks, where should I be? What should I do? And now that you've left with that ancestral crew, I keep to a path of this ancient love, down to bare bones, that specter of you, asking, where should I be? What should I do?
1: Wow. You know, I stick by what I say when I call you the queen of the Villanelle. I stick by that. Well, I I, I guess I've
0: shared. (laughs) I I thought I'd read some
1: other things, but the Villanelle's all came through, so... I have plenty of them. Yeah. Uh, so there. Susan yeah. Abbott, I don't know what to say. You, you've you been an incredible guest. I like you so much. Well, I, <laughs> I don't even know you, too but more. I like you so much. Well, good. I like you, too. So we like me friends. <laughs> <laughs> We're friends now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, so I when I see saying, you at Cultivating Voices, I'm going to wink at you or something. Or you okay. a <laughs> <laughs>
1: please, please wink at me. <laughs> I'd like that. I'd like that a lot. Uh, I don't want us to end, to be honest. I want to hear more and more and more about your stories. I really do. But time is just of the essence. And I know. <laughs> well, 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 I want we'll to do say thank you. we we will, we will. I'll invite you yeah. back in 2022. Once your chat book is out there, I'll invite you back. Okay, just let me know. Okay?
0: Yeah, we'll do. We'd love that. We'll do that. I'd love. All right, Mike. I'd love it.
1: Thanks so much. All right, take care. I love you too. All right. You too. All right, bye. All right, everyone. We've had a wonderful program. I'm so glad that you had an opportunity to listen in. I'll be back next week with another artist, and we'll go from there. So be safe. And as I share every week, let poetry ring. You have just listened to the Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio Podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode.